This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. The percentage of Americans living in poverty may be higher than official estimates. A recent study reveals the rate of inflation may hit those at the low end of the income scale harder compared to those with higher incomes. We'll have this story. The idea behind inflation inequality is that the poor might face a different set of prices. Inflation is actually growing more rapidly among the poor than among the rich. Then, millions of Americans suffer from it. It may be connected with serious illness. Yet many who have the problem are reluctant to admit it. We tend to take it for granted, but everybody's at risk. It's a problem that begins in youth. It's cumulative. It begins when you're young. But all the, you know, sort of the miracle cures are still years away. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Income inequality in America is the highest it's been in decades, and a recent study shows the percentage of people living in poverty may have been underestimated in the official census. Here to discuss this with us is Christopher Weimer, Senior Research Scientist at Columbia Population Research Center and a co-director of the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at the School of Social Work at Columbia University. Chris, we understand poverty in America is so expensive, it now has its own inflation value. In simple terms, what exactly is inequality inflation? Well, the general idea is pretty straightforward. It's that, you know, we tend to have this assumption that society as a whole faces, you know, a single measure of inflation. So the prices of goods and services, you know, get progressively more expensive each year. The idea behind inflation inequality is that the poor might face a different set of prices than the rich, essentially. And so the argument from a recent paper in the Quarterly Journal of Economics that we use in this recent report that we released finds that inflation is actually growing more rapidly among the poor than among the rich. I mean, there's an argument for why that is the case, being that As income inequality has taken off, there's, of course, more competition for capturing that market and providing goods and services that cater to the more well-to-do, whereas for the population at large and for low-income households, prices for goods as usual proceed apace. And so what you find is that the prices for things like iPhones or organic produce or things that well-to-do people are more likely to buy. And those prices actually come down more relative to the prices for you know, more standard goods and services that low-income people buy. You touched on this already, but how did you do the research for this study? How did you get the data? We actually worked with the author of the Quarterly Journal of Economics paper that I mentioned. So he's an economist based out of the London School of Economics and published this recent paper where he calculated the differential inflation rates for the rich and the poor. So we actually got in touch with him, and then he was able to supply us with some extra data from his paper. And then my colleague Sophie Collier and I here at Columbia, you know, we typically study trends in poverty, the effects of anti-poverty policies, etc. So all we really had to do was apply the numbers from his study to the poverty line an inflation rate specific to the poor and update the poverty line accordingly. And then when we do that, that's when we found that if you apply that measure, then actually there'd be about 3 million more people in poverty today. And that includes, you know, over a million children newly classified as poor if you apply the inflation inequality measure. 
So the saying, the rich are becoming richer and the poor poorer, certainly seems to apply. But in America, the poor do not seem to be visible to a lot of the rich. In other words, they're living in very separate worlds. Would you agree? Yeah, that's been documented pretty well by social scientists, sociologists, and economists. There's increasing income segregation across neighborhoods where the rich don't tend to interact as much with low-income people as they did in the past. You know, we have made progress against poverty in the past 40, 50 years. In some prior research here, we use a poverty measure that accounts for all of the government policies and programs that assist low-income families. And we actually see that the poverty rate has come down substantially over you know, many decades. But if we think about these recent years, then we are missing part of the story, given the fact that, you know, a higher percentage of low-income households' budgets are being consumed with, you know, the increasing inflation and, and the increased price of goods. With all of the foundations and charitable groups, it doesn't seem like we've been able to completely eradicate it. Do you think we ever will be able to completely eradicate poverty in the United States? Completely eradicating it might be somewhat of a challenge. We did some work recently in support of a National Academy of Sciences panel that tried to provide a roadmap to cut the child poverty rate in half, and they came up with a number of plans that would seem to you know, be able to achieve that goal. Cutting in half would be pretty significant progress, but it would also take significant amounts of funds and significant amounts of public will. So one of the things we've been heartened by recently here is like a lot of the presidential candidates have put together some pretty serious plans to reduce poverty, you know, expanding things like the child tax credit and making that fully refundable for people at the bottom so that they're not left out of a benefit that mainly benefits the middle class right now and upper middle class could do a lot to reduce child poverty. And so there are lots of things that we know how to do already. It's a matter of implementing them and putting them in place and achieving those results. Our guest is Christopher Weimer, Senior Research Scientist at Columbia Population Research Center, and he's a co-director of the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at the School of Social Work at Columbia University. Chris, what can the average person do to perhaps help with this problem? There are millions of people who would like to help somehow. Is there any way to do that? Sure. The charitable sector does do a lot of good work. We work with a group here in New York uh, City called Robin Hood. They invest millions of dollars each year in reducing not just income poverty, but other forms of deprivation, material hardship. There's a great network of food banks and food pantries. Invest a lot in job training programs, early childhood education. Also, we're doing an evaluation of a program called Room to Grow. The program aims to help parents who are raising very young children and also provides a significant amount of financial support in the form of books and clothes and strollers. So I definitely don't want to minimize the work that a lot of nonprofits and foundations are doing to help some of the most disadvantaged. And so, you know, giving to those organizations, volunteering for those organizations, there's a lot that people can do. And then also, of course, voting and participating in the political process and supporting candidates who are getting serious about fighting poverty. In terms of your research or the data you used, was there any reference in there to race or gender in terms of the poor in the United States? Yes. It's 3 million people total that would be newly classified as poor when we use this measure. You know, because of what we did is a fairly mechanical thing, you do find more white people in poverty. We've known for a long time that there are big racial and ethnic disparities in poverty rates with much higher rates among racial and ethnic minority groups. So 
generally what you find is when you do things to combat poverty, you're helping to reduce also racial and ethnic disparities in income and poverty. Are you planning any other research in this field that might uncover some other things? So there's sort of two big research studies we're working on right now. One is focused around young adults. When you use an improved measure of poverty, it turns out that young adults actually have some of the highest poverty rates. So it's a group that tends to be left out of a lot of anti-poverty policies and safety net policies, especially if you don't have children. So trying to investigate what types of policy supports would actually help improve the situation for young adults is a big focus. And then we're also doing some investigation of whether those sort of like conventional benchmarks of success that, you know, young people are supposed to meet in order to have, you know, a successful career and a successful adulthood, like whether those are still paying off for today's young adults like they did in the past. Christopher Weimer, Senior Research Scientist at Columbia Population Research Center, and he's a co-director of the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at the School of Social Work at Columbia University. Chris, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next, millions suffer from it, yet many won't admit they have it. That story, straight ahead. There's more info track coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.